Hello, welcome back to my podcast, The Art and Science of Transformation. I'm Stephen Keeler, and you can reach me at www.stephenkeeler.com. And uh, today we're going to continue on reading my best-selling book, Leap, But How Will I Live, Eat, or Pay for Gas? A Journey from Fear to Freedom. We're on Chapter 16. <clears throat> Seeing Our Intentions Literally Happen, June 19, 2004. It must be nice. I mentioned to Vegas I was planning to fly to Hungary again in a few days. His somewhat sarcastic comment was, it must be nice to just decide last minute, write a check for two grand and go whenever you want to. Ouch. I guess I should be ashamed of being able to do whatever I want with ease. What I'd wanted to say was, yes, it is so nice. Instead, I shrugged and said, well, I just put it all on my credit card. My true belief is that as long as I remain connected to and trust spirit, money is never an issue, and I can do amazing, spontaneous, fun things like this. So why did I reply the way I did? I felt like shit when I did, so somewhere inside me I knew I was dimming my own light by saying such a thing. I was actually lying. I think I'd stepped down momentarily to what I thought was his level of doubt and disbelief, and that's why I felt bad. I've done this before to avoid sounding boastful and arrogant. And when I do this, I know I'm creating more of what I don't want by turning my light down for the benefit of others who don't see or aren't following their own light. We're all familiar with this. When you feel so wonderful about something, as though, like the song by Timbuk3, the future's so bright you gotta wear shades, but your friends are down and out. So you play down your newest love or windfall profits or your latest amazing discovery about life. Lately, I'd felt Vegas hadn't been creating much abundance or peace for himself, and I guess I felt I needed to dim my own light. But in the process, I hurt both of us by not being a good role model. Realizing all of this, I decided to reconcile with both Vegas and myself by writing a note and attaching it to the check I left for him the next day. I wrote, I'm sorry for not being totally honest with you about how great it really is to believe and trust that all is well. Being aligned with spirit is nice. When he'd said in that somewhat bitter tone, it must be nice. I should have agreed with him, not arrogantly, but lovingly encouraging him on his way to the same, or at least thanked him for recognizing how amazing my life really has become, or asked, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? This was my chance to ring the bell of spirit even louder. It could have been an opportunity to help him change his perspective on his current situation, and I would basically missed it. He never responded to or discussed my note at all. <clears throat> June 21st, 2004, our one and only challenge. I'm buying my roomie Garfield dinner tonight as he is taking me to the airport. He always seems to be willing to drop me off and then pick me up when I return home to Hawaii, and I, liked, and I like to acknowledge his care by doing something nice for him, like buying him a nice dinner or something. I'm about to embark on my second trip to Budapest to see Natalia. As we are waiting for our meals to arrive, Garfield remarks, Your life seems to be going perfectly. You have a beautiful girlfriend. You have you make lots of money and don't even work. You're building a new race car, playing golf, traveling hither and yon, and you'll still and you still have time to enjoy the tropical beauty of Hawaii. 
But then he cautioned me. You should expect problems, especially because your girlfriend, Natalia, is from a totally different background and culture than you are. I almost dropped my chalupa mid-bite. I think his concerns had been sparked this morning when, on the way back from swimming with the dolphins, Garfield and I were listening to Buffalo Springfield in the car. I'd commented that it would be weird to listen to this with her, with Natalia, because she wouldn't have the same frame of reference for these American anti-war songs and the Vietnam era. I thought it would be fun to chat about things like this with Natalia. In fact, I was looking forward to the opportunity to discuss and process our cultural differences. But I think Garfield saw those saw these differences as negatives that could create difficulties for us. Maybe Garfield believes that challenges are the rule, in other words, should be expected rather than the exception. This idea is central to the way I was raised, and consequently, I've had many challenges in my life. But now I have decided to live my life by a different set of principles. My project manager said it best the other day. Many of the things, like money, that we think are crucially important are really just, quote, incidentals to following spirit, and therefore do not merit the energy of worry. You see, Everything is provided when you follow your spirit. It is not a game or a series of tests, unless this is what you want. It is guaranteed. Remind yourself, spirit is only about joy, peace, health, and abundance, not challenges and difficulties. My dad has even told me he is looking forward to the day that I will be challenged. I know that Garfield, like my father, says these things to me as his best way of loving me. <clears throat> excuse me, to warn me that life is full of pitfalls and dangers. In other words, it's not a bowl of cherries. I know that trials and tribulations have been their life experience, but I am making new choices and seeing the consistent evidence that what I believe is what I create. I found myself feeling sad for Garfield since he so believes that life is full of challenges and therefore, by law, it must be for him. The only real challenge for us are to remember the only real challenges for us are to remember who and what we are spirit and to live accordingly anything is possible and depends simply on what you believe and put your energy into there are no challenges no tests and no limits to the joy peace abundance and health we can allow to be in our lives the only limits are our own beliefs and since a belief is a thought practiced over and over we can and must begin to practice thoughts that are unlimited, which will evolve into beliefs of limitless, joyful possibilities, our natural state. As I listen to my roommate explain how challenges will and do abound, I reply to him out of love. That is only the case if one believes it to be so. June 25, 2004, the seven generations before and after our time here. As I'm sitting here in Natalia's flat in Budapest, Hungary, many things come to me. I am intending to marry this woman, and now there will be more than just me in this grand experiment. There will be more responsibility and more needs. Money, housing, insurance, cars, plane tickets. More of everything that costs money. I am struck with a surge of fear. My mind is saying, now you've really done it. It's bad enough that you deluded yourself into actually believing that you could exist by allowing spirit to simply create everything out of thin air. 
but now you will also include someone else that you claim to love? This sounds like folly adieu, a psychological phrase that describes two people involved in a co-created delusion. Can I really do this? Can I really live and be supported by all that is and have no lack, even if I include someone else? Those thoughts lasted exactly five seconds and then were promptly replaced by the much more powerful challenge about how I will evaluate my life and the way I had lived when I am an old man. When I was younger, a Native American medicine man taught me about honoring the seven generations of family that had passed before me and to consider what legacy I would leave to the seven generations that would come after me. Leaving a legacy gained new meaning once I began thinking of marriage and perhaps fa uh, fatherhood. When I looked at my current situation through my eyes as an old man, I saw a life that had been dedicated to living according to spirit, and I felt proud and a great relief since there can be no po failure possible in this way of life. July 1st, 2004, Champagne and Cats Meet. When my sweetheart Natalia arrived home from work today, we lay on the couch and talked about the day's events. I could barely contain myself. You know, this is the first time I have ridden the subway all by myself, and I boldly went into the Grand Central Market and bought our dinner without being able to speak a lick of Magyarul, that's Hungarian for Hungarian, and it's enough to feed four people and it costs the equivalent of only eight U.S. dollars. And I am so looking forward to traveling to Tuscany for the weekend and that I also purchased champagne and foie for our little road trip. I speak hurriedly. Natalia likes to call foie cat's meat, like cat food. Come to think of it, it does smell a little like it. I had, in fact, had a thoroughly marvelous day, led only by trusting spirit. Natalia shifted in my arms and looked thoughtfully up at me. It seems like many people believe that in agreeing to come to earth, part of the quote deal we make is that we forget that we are spirit. And then our joy comes from when we do remember, as in when we fall in love or create something amazing or transcend something in a miraculous way. It seems so many people have forgotten or don't seem to have the courage to be led by spirit. I am determined to make that different in our world, I said. Perhaps this forgetting and discovering is part of the passion of living. Maybe this is one, our one and only challenge, to remember that we are God and act accordingly. But many of us get washed away in how we are raised and what society preaches and our doubts. I wonder if, when I'm old, I will be better than I am now at remembering spirit. I think I will be, because I'm better at it right now than I was a year ago. I realize this forgetting is not a curse, but a constant opportunity for an amazing gift that brings wonder and passion to our very existence. We are born with the forgotten knowledge. Our challenge, our opportunity, is to remember more and more. When we remember, it's such a sweet feeling. As Brad, Pitt, Brad Pitt's character in Troy, in the movie Troy, says, the gods envy us because we know we are doomed. In other words, before we come here to this earthly existence, we have no beginning and no end. But we are, when we are here in this dimension, we know we have a beginning and an end. And this adds the component of passion to our lives, which the Greek gods did not have. 
And furthermore, I believe being mortal is the highest aspiration of God, not, not dying and going to heaven as we've all been taught. Does dying sound like an aspiration? No, living does. Isn't life amazing? I mean, we sit around wondering, can I really lie on the beach and be rich? Can I play golf and travel and have someone watch over my abundance while I write a book? The answer is yes. Or I could just sit on the sidelines and watch and wonder why some people just do it. Every day people are doing things that no one has ever done. Think about that. July 1st to the 4th, 2004. The path to San Gimignano. For the weekend, my sweetheart and I have decided to drive to, Tus to the Tuscany region of Italy. I have always wanted to go there. It's quite a drive from Budapest, but we decided to go anyway. This was a mostly spur-of-the-moment decision, and we'd spent only a few minutes on the internet looking for a bed and breakfast. We literally chose the Siena area in the heart of Tuscany because it was easy to find on the map. Neither of us had any idea where to go. Our primary intention was to stay in the country if possible, have some peaceful time, maybe take a walk and find some Italian wine, most likely Chiani, a red wine that the region is known for. Those were our intentions, but we had no idea how they would happen. I'd selected a couple possibilities from the pictures and descriptions of B&Bs on the internet, and we chose a room near a small town called San Gimignano for only 75 euros per night. It sounded good, but we really had no idea what kind of environment, town, or city it might be. We decided to trust and anticipate the abundance of spirit. We left around 3 p.m. on Friday. According to the driving directions, we had to drive south out of Budapest, across the border into Austria, across Austria to the Italian border north of Venezia, which is Venice, and then down to Italy's boot for another 200 kilometers or so to San Gimignano. We had about nine hours of driving ahead of us, so if we stayed on schedule, we would arrive around midnight. The Friday afternoon traffic out of Budapest is heavy and slow. In Austria, we hit road construction, then more road construction, and then we hear that it's the first holiday of the year for Austria, and the holiday traffic slows us down even more. Then it begins to rain. <clears throat> the, the clock is ticking, and we're sitting in stop-and-go traffic on the Autobahn, and it's getting dark. A little after nine, we call the B&B in Tuscany and tell the proprietor that we're running behind. He says in broken English, I'm sorry, we don't stay past midnight, but you can have the room for the following night if you like. Fuck. I'm tired, we hadn't gotten very far, and now we don't have a place to stay tonight and we're on the road. The plan had been to arrive near midnight, sleep in late, enjoy a day of sightseeing in Tuscany, then drive back on Sunday, but we're stuck in traffic somewhere in Austria, not even halfway to our destination. Sometimes it seems our, our intentions go unheralded or unheard, but rest assured, even when our best laid plans don't materialize, spirit is still in the mix. As we slowly drive through the rain and dark and mountains of Austria, we realize that we will have to stop somewhere for the night and then continue on in the morning. At about 9.30 p.m., we pull off the Autobahn and stop at the first hotel we see. 
Our reasonably priced room is clean and situated in a peaceful feeling little Austrian town. We relax with the champagne, crackers, and the cat's meat I'd brought before falling asleep. Before falling fast asleep, we're really tired. Early Saturday morning, we set off again for Tuscany. We made good time, but the Italian border was crowded and traffic was slow again. And then we waited in traffic for nearly, nearly an hour to get through the toll plaza at the entrance to the Italian Autobahn. It was nearly 11 a.m., and I'm beginning to think we weren't supposed to be going to Tus Tuscany at all. I mean, there'd been so many delays, and if we did get there, we'd only have a precious few hours to explore the area. And what about the drive home? If traffic was like this on the way back, we'd never make it home in one day. We were rapidly running out of weekend. My mind started to run amok. I began to lose hope and said as much to Natalia. Maybe we should turn around. She didn't respond. I knew she didn't want to give up, and neither did I, but there seemed to be so much evidence that this trip wasn't meant to be. We could give up and shortchange ourselves or retain our confidence and spirit and press on. In other words, start looking for proof that this trip is meant to be. As she is driving, I look over and I tell Natalia, if we are to get to Tuscany at all, we will have to, what I call, quote, fold time. She says, what do you mean, Ked Vashem? That means sweetheart in Hungarian. Well, I mean allowing time to warp or slow down or maybe we speed up. I'm not sure which it is. You know how sometimes when you have to be somewhere and you're late and logically you know there's no way you can make it on time, but you manage to get there on time anyway? Yes, she answers. It's like saying, beam me up, Scotty, now, I continue. I fold, I fold time by concentrating on the fact that I will get to where I need to be on time, and then I avoid looking at the clock. The energy of this process is remarkably different from the energy of worry, and that's what makes it work. This is one of the astonishing things we can do that we all know but don't acknowledge much. Try it. It works, it's fun, and is another example that proves that we are spirit. I mean, who else could do that kind of thing? So Natalia lets, says, let's do it. And just then the traffic starts to clear and we're speeding along at a happy and perfectly legal 160 kilometers an hour. That's almost 100 miles an hour. We had made up huge ground, but as we neared Venice, I started to doubt again. We didn't want to spend the entire weekend in the car, so we, agree, we agreed that we would stop at 3 p.m. no matter where we were. This decision and the decision to quote full time were the turning points. Kind of like momentum shifts in a football game, deciding to stop by 3 p.m. lifted the negative energy because it brought us more into the present. We knew that soon we would get out of the car and relax. The momentum momentum started to grow more and more positive as we focused on the fact that we are together in Italy and in love. Part of what causes doubting stems from not being in the present. In other words, the wandering mind needs to know, can't, and then starts worrying. South of Venice, driving inland from the coastal plains, the terrain changes to valleys and hills with beautiful vineyards and wheat fields stretching up the slopes. The driving had become more pleasant, but we realized we weren't going to make it to Tuscany by 3 p.m. 
we'd be short by maybe half an hour. Natalia says sadly, but I really wanted us to see Tuscany and now we may not. Inside I'm thinking, well, if Tuscany looks like the country we're driving through now, it's nice, but not that nice, so it won't matter. We drive on. At three o'clock, we're only about 60 kilometers, about 36 miles from our destination. I said, what the hell, let's go for it. Natalia happily agreed. I still hoped that San Gimignano would be beautiful and peaceful, but we really didn't know. We left the Autobahn for a winding two-lane road that meandered through vineyards, fields, and many oak trees. I felt myself relax as I breathed in the fresh air from our open windows and noticed the countryside becoming more and more beautiful. Just when we thought we'd gone too far, we saw the landmarks the owner had given us and drove up the driveway to the B&B. It was an old country estate home situated on a hillside shaded by giant oak trees and surrounded by vineyards. The old mansion had many rooms and a giant kitchen. A young woman showed us to our suite, which was elegantly appointed, full of antiques and a four-poster bed. It also had a nice balcony with a great view of the surrounding hills and valley. We're exhausted, but we made it to Tuscany. There doesn't seem to be much around here, no nearby shops or quaint cobblestone streets or anything else that I thought might be here. While Natalia takes a shower, I go downstairs and ask the young woman, who'd shown us up to our room, if there's a place nearby to find wine and something to eat. We are totally clueless. She smiles and in a mixture of English and Italian tells me, yes, there's a family who sells Chianti in a restaurant nearby. And she pointed through an opening in the oak trees. There is San Gimignano. I hadn't even noticed there was a town on the roof, on the hilltop west of where we were standing. My God, it was lovely. In the distance, I saw the tops of many clay and brick buildings, very old, earth-colored and beautiful. Rising out of the Tuscan hills, church towers and castle walls glowed in the late afternoon sun. Our host described, in a way that I sort of understood, a dirt road that led to a winery, and if we followed that farther, it would lead us to San Gimignano, the town in the distance. She said it was a nice walk and would take about 25 minutes, and that it was definitely worth it. When I got back up to our room, I said, Kedvashem, you must come outside and see the town on the hilltop. It's amazing. Let's walk up there. Natalia loves to walk, and after being in the car all day, a nice walk would be welcomed. So Natalia and I set off on foot. It was quite warm, so we tried to find shade under the trees as we walked. As we passed the winery that the woman had mentioned, an angry dog barked at us. Even though my intuition said we should turn there and follow the dirt road close to where the dog was, I decided we should continue along the paved road we'd driven on or driven in on. I was feeling protective of Natalia, and I didn't like the look of that dog, especially when we might unknowingly be in his yard, since we weren't exactly sure where we were going. The quiet paved road connected to the main highway, which was dangerous to walk along with no sidewalk and cars whizzing close by. We knew we were heading in the right direction, but we had no idea how far the town was from here. 
Natalia insisted she would not walk along the busy main highway. It was too hot and dangerous. So we headed back to the B&B to see if we could find another way. But, I said protectively, we are not going where that mean dog is. Natalia said, forget, forget the dog. I just want to get to the town. I told her I'd, I'd show her an alter, alternate route. She was skeptical, but I said, let me show you how spirit does things. We turned onto a small dirt road that led to the winery, not the one with the dog, but another one I'd noticed on the way out. All along, Natalia is saying, no, this is private. We're not supposed to be here. This is someone's vineyard. I said, I will act like a stupid American if someone catches us, but somehow I know this will not be the case. There's a path that looks well-traveled, and I take it through the beautiful vineyard. But it was longer than I thought it would be, and just when even I was beginning to be skeptical, we came to the end of the path and discovered a small handmade sign that read, San Gimignano. See, I told Natalia, just trust spirit. Actually, I was quite delighted myself. I had just wanted to stay away from the dog, and now we were walking through a beautiful vineyard in Tuscany and literally being guided to the town in the distance. A little farther down this new path, we came to a dirt road, the correct dirt road that our host had mentioned, and saw another sign and knew we were on the right track. We're approaching the town now and can see the building rest, buildings resting upon the beautiful lush hills. The earth is amazingly green, even though it's July. The road is a gentle climb and, is, and, as, and as if made to order, mostly shaded by oak trees. Between the trees, there are beautiful vistas of fields and vineyards. Then we, are, then we were back on pavement and up a set of steps to San Gimignano. I am sure that my words will not do the setting or town justice, but I'll try. First, you have to imagine this ancient small town on top of a hill affording fantastic views of the surrounding Tuscan countryside. There are many small shops, restaurants, wine cellars, espresso and gelato bars built right into the walls of the town. Winding streets are lined on both sides by towering ancient buildings, and the windows are all adorned with blooming flowers. Perhaps 8,000 people live here and in the farms nearby. We followed the main street into a magnificent square. The streets are made of, made of Roman stone, like square cobblestones, and winding, alley, and winding alleyways lead to other clusters of shops and restaurants. One side of the square is anchored by an ancient church with its impressive tower. On the other side, a wall of windows looks down onto the square from apartments and rooms for rent. I can imagine a lover throwing a bouquet from the window down to their sweetheart like in the movies or serenading them with an Italian love song. The sound of a harp floated over the square. The air was cool as the narrow streets are shaded by the buildings for most of the day. And when I saw, and when I say narrow, I mean it, one lane at the most. We watched a delivery van jockey back and forth to squeeze through the very slim opening in the wall that led to the next intersection. The driver did this expertly. <clears throat> San Gimignano was truly magical and we'd simply stumbled in here 
after only a five-minute search on the internet. Of all the places in Tuscany we could have chosen, we chose this one. That we'd been ready to give up and go home without coming here just because of a long and seemingly difficult drive now seemed ludicrous because this reward, this piece of heaven, was absolutely worth the effort. This place is total proof that spirit creates for humans to enjoy. We'd been disbelieving, almost untrusting for a while, but thankfully we'd moved through that momentary lapse. We were hungry. Natalia's always very choosy about where we eat, and this time proved no exception. We visited many places, but none seemed to have an available table with a view, which is what she insisted on. We were both very frustrated and hungry because we hadn't eaten since morning. Finally, she told me I would make the Finally, she told me I would make the decision about where to eat, so I led her back to a restaurant we'd rejected earlier, one that had gnocchi, her favorite food, on the menu. The only caveat was that it didn't appear that this place had any terrace or view, but at least it had something she liked to eat. The maitre d' led us through the interior to the garden in back, not visible from the street, which had the most magnificent view of the valley below. Absolutely perfect, Natalia exclaimed, and it was. The maitre d' insisted on seating us at the best table, and the food and wine were delicious. The sun was going down, and the air was cool and pleasant. We had followed spirit to this incredible little town, and then to this wonderful restaurant. So we toasted to our creation. In the past, we would have toasted to our luck, our good fo fortune. Now the toast was to how amazing our lives can be if we stop doubting and allow spirit to create for us to enjoy. We finished dinner with a gelato and walked back to our B&B, &B, guided by fireflies on that beautiful summer night, to sleep in peace and love and the glow of how good it feels to follow what brings you joy. The mean dog never made a sound as we blissfully walked by where we had seen him earlier. We knew the next day would involve lots of driving. As we lay in bed in the morning, we intended to allow a speedy, easy, safe drive with no traffic, no boater waits, and perfect sunny weather, especially through Austria. As an added bonus, I threw in, how about if we intend that we don't even have to pay at the toll gate? They just let us breeze right through. Yeah, right. But that's exactly what happened, and I mean exactly. There was no traffic on the road the whole day. The borders were totally open with no lines. The weather, especially through Austria, was spectacular. Breathing in the air from the brilliant green mountains energized us. There wasn't even any road construction. And the added bonus, much to our amazement, when we got to the toll gate at the end of the Italian Autobahn, Autobahn they waved us right through. Every single thing that we had asked for and more happened that day. The proof from this day was so apparent, we absolutely could not question it. We both felt so grateful, amazed, blessed, and special. Natalia said, we really do create our lives. I feel so relieved and at ease and secure. I really don't have to control everything anymore. I just have to say what I want and let go. I'm so grateful to be with her and that she too has now seen the magnificence of who and what we are. So that concludes 
that chapter 16 of Leap, But How Will I Live, Eat, or Pay for Gas? Stay tuned for more chapters and other talks about interesting things on my podcast, The Art and Science of Transformation. Until next time, keep yourself well.